Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana. I'm Brittany. And this is episode two. Today, we will be reviewing season one, episodes three and four of The Walking Dead with the lens of perception. But first, a recap. Season one, episode three, Tell It to the Frogs. Rick is reunited with his family, Lori and Carl, but he soon decides to go back with the others to Atlanta to get the guns and save Merle from the rooftop because he can't leave a man behind. Meanwhile, tensions escalate at camp. Shane takes out his frustration with Lori on Ed after Ed hits Carol. In Atlanta, the group returns to the rooftop to make a grisly discovery. Merle is gone, but the bloody handcuffs remain along with his bloody hand. Yikes! Merle sawed off his own hand to escape. In Season 1, Episode 4, Vatos, we have two separate plots going on. Rick, T-Dog, Glenn, and Daryl go back to the city to find Merle, but he's gone, as Diana said. Another group is trying to get the bag of guns, and they end up taking Glenn in their car, leaving one of their own with Rick, T-Dog, and Daryl. This kid takes them to where the Vatos are, and they attempt an exchange for Glenn, but the Vatos actually also want the bag of guns, showing that they do have Glenn, and they'll, quote, feed him to their dogs, which they got from a yard sale in Satan, I believe he says. It seems like they might end up in a gunfire showdown, but then this sweet little abuelita of one of the Vatos <laughs> comes out talking about how Mr. Gilbert is having an asthma attack and that Glenn's with them. So Rick realizes they were putting up a front to just protect their old folks home. And at the camp, Andrea and Amy have caught lots of fish, which is awesome. They have a great dinner that night, but Jim is digging holes all day and he seems to have gone a little batshit crazy <laughs> for the moment. He can't really tell them why he He's digging these holes. They tie him up for a little bit, claiming that he had sunstroke, so they just brush it off. But he is scaring people. And eventually, that night, a ton of walkers come to the camp, killing a few of their group members, more notably Amy, Andrea's sister. And Rick and the rest of the city group arrive back just in time to help fight off the walkers, and Jim finally remembers why he dug those holes. Great, now it's time to dig into this theme of perception. So where did you see perception in these two episodes, Diana? Um, with me, uh, where I noticed it was with the Vatos gang, because at first they seemed so scary and dangerous, and but they end up being kind and full of heart, which was exactly opposite of what they were trying to have everyone perceive. So when they first showed up, with the group, they were trying to get the guns and it was in the middle of the walkers and, you know, they were beating up Daryl and Glenn and they took Glenn and, you know, they were very tough. And uh, they even showed the scene where they had uh, Glenn at the rooftop. I think they even had him tie his hands tied up mm -hmm. and everything. So and it was almost as if they were going to push him off. And then later on, they meet up for the trade and Guillermo, the leader, um, tells Rick that he's going to chop up Glenn and feed him to the three vicious man-eating dogs. And then, uh, like you had mentioned, Abuelita shows up and diffuses the situation. And they are just... It's right then that you see the change in them because they are so respectful to her and they back down in her presence, which was so funny. It was really funny. <laughs> it's like, oh, grandma's here. We got to be good. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then she leads them to Glenn. 
and uh, Rick sees the chihuahuas. <laughs> the man-eating <laughs> dogs. Vicious dogs, which they can be. I've had a chihuahua, and she's been the boss of the house. Um, you know, but they see, you know, all these elderly people and uh, sick people. And I think Rick brings Guillermo to the side and says, you know, you're the dumbest guy I've ever seen. I was about to shoot all these people. <laughs> and... Basically, it was that Guillermo and their gang were trying to save and help these people that were left behind. And um, so they're really good people. And Rick understands that. So he gives them the guns and they leave. And so it's really that you can't judge a book by its cover. And they were using perception to their advantage in this case. It wasn't just they were trying to use their perceived dangerousness to keep everyone away. Right. And that's that kind of leads me into what I noticed in Vatos is that Daryl does the same thing, right? He uses Merle's cut hand to yes. scare the kid. Yes. He and maybe they are dangerous, right? Uh, but in this yeah. first season, they're still learning to navigate the world. And Daryl has his brother's hand. Yeah. He takes it out to show this kid yeah. how serious he is. Yeah. He says, look what happened to mm-hmm. the last guy. Piss me off. <laughs> but you know that his and brother he, just cut his hand off. So yeah. just using that. Yes. And this kid is so scared. Imagine yeah. if you got a human hand in your lap. You, right. You'd be freaked out. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. Because we know that Daryl can be dangerous. Like, he's a badass, totally. Uh-huh. But he's not... These aren't the people who saw off people's hands. So it yeah. was just really funny to me that he uses that, right, like you said, yeah. to his advantage. And they're both sides are using that so that they can get what they want and protect mm-hmm. their own. They yeah. both have the same goal. Mm-hmm. It's just that... Since they're on each other's sides, they don't know if the other people are good or not. Right, because so they you have don't to. know. Exactly. And as we know, it's funny that you said that because Rick says to him, you're right. He says, you're so stupid. I was about to kill all of you. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's not that stupid because of all the bad guys we meet in the future seasons. I know. You have to be cautious. They mm-hmm. don't, you never know who you can trust. Mm-hmm. So uh, that really struck me because... I mean, imagine if Rick and his group was bad and these people were just trying to protect themselves. They were doing the right thing, essentially, because they did want to protect the old folks in their home. So I thought that was really powerful Mm -hmm. that both sides were trying to protect their own. Yeah. Where else did you see perception Um, here? Well, now this one is, to me, it was when Glenn appears so boyish (laughs) and naive, but really shows his leadership and tactical skills. I mean, he's wearing a baseball cap. He's got his little shirt in his backpack. And, you know, and then, oh, when they uh, brought the car and um, they start dismantling the car because they need the parts for the camper yes. truck. Anyways, they need it for the car, the vehicles that they need it for. And he calls them vultures and he sulks and appears hurt. I mean, it's just, it was just, it made me, it did make me laugh out loud. Um, but then later on, you see him telling the others that he knows the streets and he's the one that needs to go out and get the guns and telling T-Dog what he needs to do and Rick what he needs to do and Daryl what he needs to do. And, um, you know, they just kind of look up to him and because he does know the streets and he's the one who knows the area. So I don't know. I just really like that. Those two parts of him, because he just seems so innocent at one end. And then 
such a leadership and so brave on the other end. Totally. And I think that brings us back to how dynamic these characters are. They are not, they're all more than they seem. They're not just what we see on the surface from all of them. Yeah. Like, you're right, Glenn, he seems to be very young and innocent. Yeah. And, you know, they, th- they might not think, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But when he speaks, he's very sure of himself. And he does know the streets. He's a city guy. Yeah. So it's, and I don't know where exactly Rick and Shane and the rest of them are from, but it seems like Glenn grew up or was from the city. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they were in a smaller town, but yeah, they seem to trust him. And uh, in one point, I think um, Daryl asks uh, Glenn, what did you do before this? And he says, oh, I was a delivery driver. Or I don't know if he says I'm a delivered pizzas or I'm a delivery driver. And then Rick just nods like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you got all these tactical leadership skills and you were a delivery driver. So yes. it was funny. And that's really cool, too, because that shows you that anyone has potential to be a leader. Right. Well, it made me also think that I wonder if he even knew he was a leader. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think people play certain roles because they think that's who they are. But when push comes to shove, something else shines through. So I think he probably even surprised himself that's in true. a bit. That's true. And that's like how you mentioned in the last episode where you said everyone's true character comes to the surface Mm -hmm. in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. I think that's truly who Glenn is. Yeah. So we miss him again. (laughs) 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 I also saw um, perception in these two episodes and tell it to the frogs. So Ed, who is Carol's husband, he perceives women to be tools for him. They do his laundry for him. They cook his meals for him. Mm -hmm. They are his punching bag when he feels like it, unfortunately. And when the women are washing his clothes or and other people's clothes yeah. at the lake, they're laughing. Like, they're having a good time, just giggling. Yeah. And I know that they did. Oh, they were laughing. They're like, I miss my vibrator yeah. or something. And they're all laughing because it's yeah. just, oh, what a nice moment. And Ed hears them laughing. He walks over and is offended yeah. that they're enjoying themselves while they're doing a job that affects him. And he, it makes me think that he doesn't want women to be more dynamic than just doing anything for him. That's how he views it. Mm-hmm. And he tells them, this ain't no comedy club. And Andrea, who seems to be, I don't know, educated, stands up for herself. She's not yeah, afraid. She's she very does. outspoken, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. But, and that's not what he's used to. So he not doesn't like all. that. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he says, he calls her a smart, uppity-mouthed bitch. Or something because that's different than his perception of how women should be so that really caught my eye because he just doesn't want them to enjoy themselves even in the one moment that they get together like oh there's all these women together and I think even Sophia or one of the other girls says oh why do we have to wash the clothes like why is it only the girls and someone says oh that's just the way it is wow and I didn't catch that the first time I watched it yeah so It's just very interesting to me because you can see that she feels that way or she's, even though her dad treats her mom and her that way, she Mm -hmm. still knows, she feels that it's wrong. Right. And she's young, but she feels that that's not how it should be. Right. So that really struck me and it made me sad because it's not like Ed is an uncommon man. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of men who probably mm-hmm. feel that way. And there's a lot of, and maybe not in the Bay Area, maybe we're lucky here, but 
you know, this is in Atlanta in the South, and maybe that's how it is for yeah. a lot of people, which makes yeah. me really sad. I also think with them laughing, I think he was worried about Carol. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't want her getting any ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a little bit jealous because he thought, you know, they're making her laugh. I don't want her to hang out with them anymore. That's so a I good think, point. Yeah. So I think he just doesn't want her to be happy or experience those other things or maybe he thinks she will start acting like that Mm -hmm. and that's very true of abusive relationships Mm -hmm. is they are happiest with you when they isolate you Mm -hmm. they make you think you don't need friends oh you don't need your family oh they said what about me oh they just don't they don't love you like i do yeah and that is so sad to see but that's why it's also so beautiful because carol becomes this strong yes um fighter warrior woman as we see now in the current season so that's why it is such a beautiful transformation that she makes Mm -hmm. and back to what you said your true character comes in these times of crisis and eventually she just like butterflies into this amazing woman that we love so i really like i'm i guess that's a good point that we it doesn't matter who you were or who you are right now you can always become a stronger yes um Stronger than your adversities. So, mm-hmm. so that's good. Let's move on to other things we noticed. Okay. Anything from you, Diana? Well, I love Daryl. <laughs> and um, it was so great to see him in these early episodes. I mean, he was such a hothead. He is, in the, when we were first introduced to him, is when he is shows up and he's all pissed off that the walker got his deer um he kicks the walker and then he goes looking for merle and they're all telling him to settle down and uh, he gets upset thinking his brother's dead and and they you know then they tell him that they handcuff merle to the top of the rooftop and then you know he pulls out a knife and all of that starts between him and shane and um rick and um it's just so funny though i don't know i guess they say who's this guy and i guess they say rick grimes and oh my gosh the way daryl says rick grimes with major (laughs) attitude oh it's just i love his attitude um he's like so cavemanish um and it's funny because him and merle of course are brothers and they grew up together and they have similar well they have the same background and Similar tendencies, the yes. way that they talk. Yes, but again, Daryl is so much more endearing than Merle is. So, you know, and then there's that part where um, they go off on their mission to get the guns and everything, and um, Daryl just wants to go get Merle, just wants to go find him because he knows, you know, he's bleeding and he needs his help. And, you know, Rick says, no, we got to work together on this. You know, I know how you feel. I know what it's like to lose somebody. Basically, I'm on your side, but we have to work together on this. And can you do that? And Daryl turns to him and says, I can do that. And I just saw a shift in him at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sort of the beginning of the respect that they have for each other. Um, and I think that's really all Daryl really wanted was someone to understand him. Someone to level with him. Yeah. Totally. So. And I think you're right because they do talk the same. When he comes back and he's looking for Merle, he says, Merle, get your ugly ass out here. Yeah. And that's very, I'm sure Merle would say the same thing to yeah. his brother. Yeah. So it is, they're very similar, but you're right. He's yeah. more, 
He's more endearing. He's more likable. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So let's see. The other things I noticed. Oh, I really liked how at the beginning of the episode um, when Andrea and Amy were at the fishing boat talking about growing up and, and then they, you know, just had their moment about tying knots and how their dad uh, how they grew up differently with their dad, but still with both with fishing and um, also with Jim digging the holes. And then it came full circle because it ended with Amy dying in Andrea's arms and Jim realizing why he dug the holes. And I just really appreciated how it just tied it together, how it opened and ended with the same people. So I thought the writing... Yes, the writing was good. I love when shows or episodes or movies start yeah. with a certain theme and then at the end, you don't realize the significance of it. Exactly the, the significance of and it, you're thinking, yes. And you're watching the end thinking, oh my gosh, wow, they, that's why they showed it in the yeah. beginning. Or that's how they started it. They could have started exactly. with anything. So yeah. that was, I thought that was perfect yeah. too. Anything else? Um, just a tiny little thing that... Um, I hadn't remembered was where <laughs> this is when before Carl and um, Lori know Rick is alive and Glenn and everyone else is, is uh, saying, oh, we have someone we found that and he's a sheriff just like you. And he walks out of the car and I'm thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're going to see each other. And uh, Rick sees Carl and Lori and Carl just runs to his dad and they hug and they hug so hard and they fall on the ground and I'm thinking oh my gosh oh my gosh and then they show Shane's face and it's like Shane's like smiling but then he's like oh shit (laughs) your life is totally changing right now yes and I mean because really they thought he was dead Lori and Carl really thought he was dead and to see him again was but what I'm wondering is before they show him, before he comes out, makes his entrance, uh-huh. Carl is crying to Lori. Everyone comes back. Carl's crying to Lori, and Lori's talking to Carl. I don't know what she's saying because it's out of earshot, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering what she was saying to him because they thought, you're right, they thought he was dead. Yeah. So what were they expecting? Carl was, you know, this group comes back and Carl's crying. So I'm just wondering what was he crying about mm-hmm. and what was Lori saying to him? That, kind of, that intrigued me a lot mm-hmm. because I just thought, what... Would he, like, do they still have hope? Is there something in them that's telling them that he's still alive? Because why would he have an expectation of his dad coming back? But on the flip side, he yeah. comes back. Yeah. So, yes. And you're right. Shane's face was priceless. Yeah. It was freaking hilarious. Yeah. It's like, oh, that just went out the window. <laughs> well, and it just it makes me think further because I would think, oh, my gosh, he didn't want. I, I was thinking to myself, he would think he wouldn't want Rick to come. But then I really think he is sort of happy that Rick is there because when Rick goes to leave on that mission, he keeps trying to tell him, don't go, don't go. You just came back. Mm -hmm. So he does care about his friend at that point, which is interesting. It's he must feel very conflicted. Yeah. The same as Lori. They both feel conflicted. But the thing about Shane is he knew that Rick wasn't dead. Yeah. I mean, he thought maybe he probably died because he was left there by himself. But I think he still feels guilty. So he's very conflicted. And 
I think that's where the resentment stems from because Rick continuously leaves his wife and Carl to go help other people and save yeah. other people. So I yeah. think that's where it comes from within Shane. He's thinking, every time you were gone, I was there for Lori and Carl. I kept them safe. Before you ran here, I was protecting them from yeah. all these walkers mm-hmm. when they invade the camp. Mm-hmm. So I do see where Shane is coming from because it is so hard. And that's often a theme that comes up with other movies and shows where the parents are therapists or they're uh, firefighters or mm-hmm. police officers. And the kids are usually saying, you're always there for other people. You're never right. there for me. Yeah. And Or like coaches, like basketball coaches or things like that. So these are really good figures for other people but when it comes to their own kids they think they do want them to be safe and they do care about them but it's so hard because they're always helping other people so I do see why that resentment is there but I do take back I take back what I said about both Shane and Daryl and first with Shane uh, I was really hard on him watching the first two episodes (laughs) and I think it's because I know everything that happens so it's just it's hard for me to watch that again But in episodes three and four, I do see him as more of a dynamic leader. He does want to look out for the group. And also, like you said, I do see the connection with him and Carl Mm -hmm. when they're together and they're at the lake. Yeah. He wants to teach him stuff. And I do see him that he cares for him. So I Mm -hmm. take back what I said about him. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I also respect that he uses the same language that any law enforcement officer would use still. Even though, yes, he's a cop, but at the same time, there's no more police station. There's no more. These systems aren't still in place. But yeah, he but still, he still takes that role. Yes, yeah. and he uses the same language any cop would use in mm-hmm. to defuse a situation. Mm-hmm. So I do respect that because he uses his skills that he had previously to help his group now. Yeah. Um, and he's not getting paid anymore. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. he's still doing his well, job. Well, he still wants to be a leader, though. I mean, that's yeah. something he's always striving for Mm -hmm. yeah i think so um but just not as not as badly as i remember it just in these two episodes Mm -hmm. for the sake of (laughs) talking about it but um with daryl you're right he was more he was a hothead he was more talkative immature in this season but rick does level with him Mm -hmm. and i think the reason i thought he was so much more likable than merle is because i was thinking of him in recent seasons I'm thinking yeah. of him as season eight, Daryl. Yeah. I'm not thinking of season yeah. one, Daryl. I do still like season one, Daryl. Yeah, I still think he's, there is still something likable something. about him. Yeah. Yes, I know. But I think that kind of brings me to my question to whether for both Daryl and, and Shane and anyone, I guess you could say, is how much of their actions are performative, like for other people, rather than them just doing it to be themselves. Like you said with Shane, he wants to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Does he act this way and does he use his police knowledge and protocol because he wants others to see him that way? Or does he do it because that's who he is at his core and he wants to keep the group together? I don't know. Yeah. It's so hard to tell. It's always like, oh, do you do the right thing when no one's watching? But in this, was I being too hard on Shane? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's see. Lastly, I noticed something with both Andrea and Dale. They keep track of the dates for different reasons. So Andrea is keeping track of the date because it's her sister's birthday coming up and she gets her a gift, which is so meaningful because it's not like they can, you can run to Macy's and go grab a gift yeah. real quick and it's so easy. She plans it and she, just this one gift means so much for her to give to her sister because this is a world of survival. It's yeah. not a world of luxury anymore. You can't have the nicer things all the time. 
a lot of them don't celebrate birthdays, I'm pretty sure. Right. So yeah. I think that's really cool because it is a great reminder of the systems that we have in place. We have calendars, our phones are our clocks, everything is timed and dated. If you write an email, post on Facebook, get a receipt, the time and date are always there. Right. And that's another part of a fully sufficient society that I think we take for granted because we always have it. And I love that they keep track of time. We think we always have time Mm -hmm. and we always have these dates Mm -hmm. and time is infused into everything we do. But if you don't keep track of it, you lose it. And that's crazy to me. It's always there. But if you're not keeping track, you're not going to have it. And it also made me think of another movie. Uh, Have you seen The Count of Monte Cristo? I think I did, but I don't recall it. It's one of my favorite movies. When he's in this prison, he and in the beginning, he starts marking the days Mm -hmm. that he's been there so he can keep track of how long he's been there. But then it becomes so long that he just gives up and he stops counting. That reminds me, because I think a lot of people in prison do this, right? Like, they keep track of their days. I don't know if they get calendars or whatever. It shows you how important time is to all of us. And that struck me because I'm always thinking about time. I'm planning out my weeks, planning out my days, whether I'm at work or it's a weekend, I'm always thinking about that. So that really struck me because it's at the core of our everyday lives. Yeah, it is. We don't think about it until we don't have it, until our clocks stop working. (laughs) Right, yeah. That reminded me of Castaway with Tom Hanks, too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hmm. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. It's time for Why We Love Rick. Diana, why don't you take it away? Okay. Um, This is what I love about Rick. Um, He is willing to play things out and do what he can to get his people back. When Daryl, Rick, and T-Dog discuss the situation um, about giving the guns to Guillermo, Daryl questions if the trade is worth it. And T-Dog wonders if they will really get Glenn And if they believe Guillermo. Um, But Rick says he owes his life to Glenn and he is willing to risk his own life to get him back. I just, again, here's Rick's true character, nature coming out. And he always settles his debts. And so he's going to go get Glenn, Mm -hmm. which is why I love Rick. Perfect. What about you? I love Rick because in these two episodes, he shows that he holds everyone to the same standards. Daryl is very adamant. He says, my brother's tough. You don't know my brother. Mm -hmm. He can do anything. But Rick, to him, a man is a man. Anyone is held to the same standard. If anyone who cuts their hand off, they are going to feel the same pain. They're going to be struggling. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. So Rick keeps everything in perspective to go along with our theme. And he doesn't care that if Daryl thinks Merle is tough, he knows that Merle is probably still struggling. He might not have made it. He's still keeping all options open. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just take what people say and that's it. He keeps everything on the same playing field, which I really respect about him. Yeah. So that's why I love him. So what are you watching this week, Diana? So I am watching, well, it wasn't actually on this week, but I'm watching X-Files, which I love. And I watched it originally, and I'm really actually enjoying uh, this current season. And of course, This Is Us. And I actually watch reality shows, too. So I'm watching The Top Chef, Project Runway All-Stars, The Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, and some of The Bachelor. Okay, but that's sort of a guilty pleasure. And I don't always watch that. But also, oh, I was watching The Making of Models with Yolanda Hadid. She was one of the Real Housewives, and that's why I'm watching that. 
And I just started watching Divorce on HBO. And um, I'm almost done with the first season. And I am liking that with Sarah Jessica Parker. So that's actually funny. I mean, it's funny because um, it's very serious because it's about a divorce, but uh, they just kind of put a little bit of a comedic twist on it. So and as far as movies, I just recently saw Blade Runner 2049. And um, that was interesting. I don't think that's for everybody. But uh, I did like it. And then last night, I just saw It, the Mm. remake. And that was scary. Wait, why would you say Blade Runner isn't for everyone? um, Because, one, I think you had to have seen the first one. Okay. And, you know, even my husband wasn't like, I don't know, I'm not sure about that. It's a little different. Okay. Different how? Like weird? or Yeah, a little bit in that regard. Okay. So, you know, it's in the future, but I think even the first Blade Runner was different, too. Okay. <laughs> Have Got you it. seen the first one? No. Well, okay. maybe when I was younger, but I yeah. don't remember it at all. It's... But I like weird movies, so I'll okay. probably try. Okay, and they try. both, I mean, the, I think the current one is easier to watch than okay. the first one. Okay, cool. Well, it's on my list. Okay. I will let you know how weird it is. Okay. <laughs> and what are you watching? Uh, so I watch... On Hulu, I watch Fresh Off the Boat. I'm not 100% caught up. It's just so funny to me because I'm Asian. And I ne- I didn't have a traditional tiger Asian mom. My mom's very yeah. Americanized. But watching this mom is so funny. She's just so freaking hilarious. Yeah. Like, even though it's a stereotype, it just makes you laugh. Because yeah. you can see well, they, some similarities to it. do. And it's based <laughs> on uh, the producer's real life. Him growing up with mm-hmm. his mom and his brothers and his dad and... Florida front and they move from Washington DC so it's so freaking mm-hmm. funny. I love them and the kids are so funny. So if you are sad or you need just a little lit pick yeah. me up, I think that's a good show because okay. it is freaking hilarious. Uh, I also watch Riverdale. It's it's really cool. It's based on the Archie mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. I saw and first You saw the first season? First season, yeah. Okay, you should continue. Because you told me to watch the first season. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I watch it. You I haven't should. seen any more though. The- Okay, so. I'm sure they'll put it on Netflix soon because that goes on Netflix pretty quickly after the season's yeah. over. Okay. But the second season's pretty good, too, so mm. I highly okay. recommend it. And they're all pretty good-looking people on there, too, so, mm. you know. <laughs> uh, and then I just finished watching The Ozarks on Netflix, and I know that came out a while ago. My entire family watched it. They loved it. But I think if you've watched it and maybe the first or first one or two episodes didn't catch your attention, you should try to push through because it is pretty good. Okay. It gets crazy and all the acting is pretty impressive. I always think the most impressive acting is when you're depicting a family just because families are so... There's always so much more than meets the eye with everything going on. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just so cool. Um, I love all the actors. I can't think of, oh, Jason Bateman, Laura Linney. Mm -hmm. They're great. So please watch that. Do yourself a favor and binge watch it. Okay. Also, I watch Last Man on Earth. That's another funny one. All my superhero shows. And I just finished Zumbo's Just Desserts on Netflix. (laughs) It's uh, an Australian baking show. Oh, okay. I love cooking shows. I also love The Great British Baking Show. But that one is pretty funny because they just focus on desserts. Mm -hmm. And they're all Australian. So if you like people with accents, you should watch that. (laughs) What's that on? 
It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yes, they put it on Netflix. I think it originally aired in 2016, but then they just put it on Netflix oh, okay. last year. So it's pretty cool. Now I follow all of them on Instagram. I see, <laughs> I see their, their, fun, their sweet confections that yeah. they make. And lastly, Jimmy, my boyfriend, my wonderful boyfriend, said he would rewatch all of One Tree Hill with me on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So almost peed my pants. I was so excited. <laughs> so stay tuned for that, folks. It's time for our favorite quote, character, or moment. Diana, what was yours? So mine was the exchange between Daryl and Glenn. And this is right when Glenn is going to go out and get the guns, uh, the bag of guns Mm -hmm. right amongst the walkers. And Daryl says to him, you've got balls for a Chinaman. And Glenn says, I'm Korean. (laughs) And Daryl says, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. What about you, Brittany? What was your favorite quote or moment? So last week I had a silly one. This week I have a serious one. Okay. I liked it when Guillermo, Daryl, Rick, and Glenn were all talking. And Mm -hmm. someone says, well, the world has changed. And then Guillermo says, it hasn't changed at all. The weak get taken. Which is very, I think it's true. Yeah. It's changed, but in different ways. It's it's still the same as far as the powerful versus the weak or the mm-hmm. good versus the bad. So I think it, like, as we have been saying, it all comes to the surface. So I just, I really like that quote. Good quote. Okay, so, um, Brittany, I wanted to talk just for a moment about uh, TV show or movie news. And um, I had sent you that clip about Morgan doing uh, the transition from The Walking Dead to Fear the Walking Dead. Um, I'm not sure if you were able to read it, but it was shocking to me because I originally thought that his time on Fear the Walking Dead would be where he has been before he rejoined the group. But after reading that article, Fear the Walking Dead does a time jump and... Morgan leaving The Walking Dead currently travels and meets up with the cast on Fear the Walking Dead. Right. And and in another interview, I don't know if you read this, but Rick, Andrew Lincoln, says he feels like Rick and Morgan are just saying, until we meet again. Yeah. So that's really compelling because are these groups going to meet? Or is Morgan going to be the one who tells Madison about Rick's group? Maybe Madison and their group in this time jump, they have a new haven, a new place to stay, and maybe something goes wrong with there. And maybe Morgan says, well, I did come from somewhere else, but I left for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. We can go there if you want. That could be an option. And maybe they will meet. Maybe. And who knows if they are going to meet as comrades or if. Because, you know, Madison and her group lately have been kind of kind of power driven. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if they would come as being super helpful to Rick's group. I feel like they could clash. So that could be really interesting. Well, and also, we don't know where this new time jump. I'm sorry, we're getting on Fear the Walking Dead, which we'll have to do an episode on that but we don't know where that left off either because everyone seems separated so and we don't know who survived that either yeah so it'll be very interesting when it comes back so yes we'll see so stay tuned 
Thanks for tuning in to Screens in Focus podcast. We are really grateful you tuned in, and I hope that something we said either made you laugh or resonated with you. We hope to promote positivity and inspiration through these shows, even though sometimes we're really hard on Shane, but (laughs) let us know if we did. And please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We need your feedback. We will be uploading new episodes every Tuesday. Next show will be on season one, episode five and six of The Walking Dead. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. Bye.